and then I saw so many animals just riding a bike on the, on the gravel roads, you know, with roe deer, reindeer, moose, red fox, maybe 100 hares. Yeah, amazing. And then we've got lovely cheetah sightings up in the Okavango Delta. Uh, there's one male cheetah there who's particularly uh, made a name for himself. One of the things that's so special about him is an amazing ability for a cheetah to climb trees. Welcome to the Wildlife and Wilderness Travel and Safari Show, the world's first podcast on sustainable tourism and wildlife safaris worldwide. This show is for everyone interested in travel in the natural world, ecotourism, conservation and adventures in our planet's wild places. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Banner, biologist and director of the travel company Wildlife and Wilderness, providing outstanding holiday experiences to thousands of clients for almost 25 years. If you are planning a safari or want to get in touch, then do drop us an email to podcasts at wildlifewilderness.com or visit our website at wildlifewilderness.com. In this second part of Wild Diaries, our monthly roundup of happenings in nature, we first head north to Swedish Lapland before venturing southwards for the first time to Botswana in southern Africa. Before that though, just a reminder that we now plan to publish our podcast episodes every two weeks. With COVID-19, the world has changed and when we started thinking about podcasting earlier in the year, we never thought that we would have reached the middle of the year without travelling. Of course, once we do get to travel, then our podcast show will take on a whole new aspect and we cannot wait for that to happen. In the meantime, let's catch up with the adventures of Frederick from the Aurora Safari Camp in Arctic Sweden. What I noticed was that you... Um with showing images of almost Arctic-like conditions of kayaking next to the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see, we are, we have a Tuesday now, and then it's roughly Saturday, 10 days ago. It was still some ice on the lake. Yeah. But it was uh, around 20 degrees still in, in, in LA. It, it, the temperature in air was, was up a lot. Uh, so it's, yeah. As I said last time, we were in the beginning of this in-between time between winter and summer. Uh, we can't really call it spring <laughs> because it goes so quickly. You know, we get summer summer temperatures usually immediately while we have snow and ice still. So it's uh, so the water temperature in the river and the lake has gone up from zero basically ten days ago to fourteen. Wow! Now. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. We did some rafting on Friday. Uh, uh, fantastic stretch of the river here from our lodge, the outpost, and down 15 kilometers. Uh, great stretch when the water level is uh, medium or high. Yeah. Uh, and it must be flowing quite high at the moment with the ice melt. Yeah, but, but we are past the. The thing is, you get a lot of uh, snow melting, and, and uh, then if you have some rain on top of that, uh, you get really high uh, water levels. Uh, and now the forecast said we're going to have a record flooding, uh, but we didn't get that. Actually, it was half a meter under the record. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, that was quite alright. I guess they were expecting a lot of the snow melt coming from the mountains further west, given the high snowfall this winter. Yeah, you get like two pushes. One, yeah, one is we had a, yeah we had a lot of snow this winter, and then you get one push of. of water in the river when the snow melts and and then closer to the mountains and in the mountains yeah you get it that comes a bit later uh, usually so then you get another push uh, and but uh, yeah rona river is not taking water from the higher mountains in the west it 
comes from cold springs and lakes uh, just on the foot of the okay. on the big mountains yeah. in the national park called Muddus. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So it's a reasonably it's quite long. I mean, 210 kilometers, but normal summer water level is reasonably low. When it's flooding, it's probably 20 times more volu- volume in the river. Wow. So so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we we are now one only one meter from normal water level, which is not much. It goes up to three and a half. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you've um, suddenly jumped from winter into summer. What other signs of uh, spring and summer have there been? Yeah, all the flowers are coming here quite quickly. We have a lot of flowers here in, in Arctic Sweden. Uh, some maybe hard to imagine. Uh, and the inten- most intense time for flowers is coming up next week and then around the, the, the midsummer, as we say here as well, that is yeah. when the sun is at its highest at 21st of June. Uh, so it's a beauty coming now, I can tell. So it's fantastic. But you're mostly forested, aren't you? So yeah, yeah. is it open, open meadows? And th- uh, yeah, uh, actually, we, where we are here uh, with Aurora Safari Camp and where we live, uh, we are like where the large, large, large forests starts and by the river, it, in the sediments of the river, it has been small, small scale family agriculture projects going on for a couple of hundred years. Yeah. So exactly in those small meadows and, and also grown over meadows and such, uh, there's a lot of uh, variety in the fauna yeah. and, and flora. So that's fantastic. So are you seeing more animals out and about now that the grounds are clear and there's new growth? Yeah. Exactly, and you get a lot of animals move around in different. Uh, they have a different behavior when when the the twenty four hour daylight comes on. Yeah. That started already last time when we talk. You have, for example, I took a little. Oh, I took a bicycle ride actually up to the Arctic Circle. It's seventy kilometers from here. We have a like a portal yeah. on on a, in a wetland. It's quite cool actually. So I met up with uh, another f- friend running there, crazy guy. He's running up to Kebnekaise, the highest mountain from Stockholm, 1,400 kilometers. All right, I thought he ran that far, so I can take the bicycle and go up to the portal from home. Uh, and then I saw so many animals just riding a bike on, on the gravel roads, you know, with yeah. roe deer, reindeer, moose, red fox, maybe 100 hares. Uh, plus all the forest birds, the capricaler and the ptarmigans, and yeah. yeah, amazing. So you mentioned that the 24-hour daylight changes their behavior. So what, what, for instance, take a roe deer or a, a moose or elk, um, how, how do they change their behavior at this time of year then? Yeah, of course, they, they are out more in the middle of the night and, and they're, they're foraging and moving around more in, just in the middle of the night instead of in, in, in dusk or dawn. Yeah. Because now we don't really have dusk or dawn. We have some kind of yeah, low, very low light at, at midnight. So, uh, but funny enough, when I took that bike ride, that was in the middle of the day, yeah. uh, 2, 3 p.m. Uh, so, so, but it's a lot of movement, you know. They're, they're, it's a long winter. It's been uh, a lot of snow, which makes it tough for reindeer and road there. Uh, and then, of course, they're foraging a lot to 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 build up weight, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they're working harder for longer hours at this time of the year, yeah, feeding yeah. and exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, feeding and breeding. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now in the lake, also we have uh, next to the camp, we have uh, most of the 
birds, uh, the, the Canadian goose and the whooper swans, and uh, I don't know all the English names of this uh, bird, but they have small ones now. So they're, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, they're out from their eggs, <laughs> swimming around with their parents. Beautiful. <laughs> we have Canadian goose just where we have the kayaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's a quick change as well because as soon as the the ice the snow and ice is gone they're they're down laying and raising yeah. chicks yeah they ma maximize the season clearly yeah what you also see at this time of the year uh, when it's high water levels is that you have beavers swimming around basically in in places you don't see them naturally because yeah. because they they swim around wherever it's high water level and just to see if it's a place where they can build something. Uh, and then they realize after a while when the water level and the current goes down in the river, okay, this is not a place for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you can see beavers at any and on, on land as well. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. They're still a bit hard to see, but if you are if you're out in a kayak and if you like kayak quietly around some islands in the lake or something, that's a good chance to see them. So. <laughs> and do you know where their dams are? Uh, and yeah, uh, their yeah. Yeah, we have quite a few dams that we, we, we know where they are and some are abandoned, some are new, some comes up and get like rebuilt every spring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're cool actually. Fantastic animal. That's very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what other activities have you got planned? Last time you were off uh, hot air ballooning. Yeah, we took the chance there to test fly. We managed to, to test fly. That was fantastic with a rented balloon instead of ours that was stuck in the factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now we're actually, we are actually moving Aurora Safari Camp. Uh, not next ah. winter, but next, next, yeah, at the end of next winter season, we will move the camp to my own land. Yeah. And then we are now preparing. So we're building tent number one. Uh, is getting a new uh, glamping lavu, a new type that is like an adapted Sami tent yeah. for glamping. The first model in the in the here in the Sami world for that. So that's great. That one we will put up today after lunch. So that's a milestone for the that's new camp. Very good. Um, so uh, this winter season we will still be where we are, which is fantastic. But the new place will be will be every tent will get like a veranda facing the north uh, and we will be a bit less affected from wind and uh, yeah because we're at a large lake and waves in summer and such yeah yeah, yeah. it's going to be good that sounds really good and uh, no plans for expansion yeah. just moving mm, no we'll, we'll keep it to four rooms yeah. so it's going to be small still that's nice yeah, yeah. great yeah and when yeah. you talk of lavu are you talking of the large sami TP type tents that people may know. Yes, of. Yeah. exactly. But yeah, but yeah. not the wooden larvae that you might find out in the forest as a shelter. No, they are still with with the the, the, the cotton canvas yeah. uh, uh, f heavy duty fabric. Yeah. That uh, and we actually the cool thing is it's uh, a local manufacturer you could say, which makes the yeah it's called Tantipi even if it's a lavu that's the brand and it's yeah. quite cool actually they it's a company that com comes from the forest here and the the founder of the company is from two hours from here. Okay. So that's fun. It's yeah. good, to, good to keep it all local. Yeah. 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 Now, I think with um, the big talk over here with uh, coronavirus and people in lockdown is that people are noticing nature more and going to want to need more of nature um, or natural experiences in the future and that it's had pro 
possibly quite a profound effect on some, some people and they'll be looking to mm. get escape to nature more um, in the future. And I think these types of projects are just perfect for that. Yeah. And what we, and what we really should say is that summer or uh, autumn in particular is a beautiful time to be up there and that people, you know, people thinking of traveling should look at other seasons as well, besides just the winter season, which of course is fantastic and you've got the Northern Lights, but uh, there's so much more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned rafting, um, you know, fat bikes you've mentioned as well previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, I have to say, uh, catching up on, on, on bikes, imagine here in Arctic Sweden, we still have tarmac roads going quite far into the wild, and you can do road biking here, and you will not see one car. And imagine that, you, 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 you're road biking somewhere close to London, and you know, it's the traffic is a stress, and you still want to do your 100 kilometers or something. You don't. You don't have to do that here. You, you're, you're in peace. So, so that's uh, that's great. And talking about uh, a local standard, uh, yeah, locals or people, they want to, they, they feel a need of going out in nature. And and basically this summer we will not have one single guest from abroad. I guess maybe in August we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we have a few bookings there that are not uh, cancelled yet. Uh, but now we basically doing things with our floating sauna and kayaks for for basically people in the village and and their relatives and friends that escape cities in yeah. sweden <laughs> to rural rural areas to to just get out a bit so same phenomena here yeah and that's the same as i heard from guiliano in brazil yesterday that the people are coming out of the city and going down to his lodge in the pantanal um, ah, yeah. j just to escape from nature as well yeah yeah. At least you can work on that. Talking with Jahan in India, I mean, the, the, all the camps are shut, the national parks are shut, and they don't stand a, ch a chance of opening even to local um, residents ah. because there's there's absolutely nothing to do. So. Otherwise, all the camps and lodges here are okay. Yeah. Basically, everyone is still yeah. here, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Ready and waiting for us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come tomorrow. I mean, that's <laughs> if only we could get out of the country, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who'd like to come tomorrow. Charter a sailing yacht. <laughs> Sail to Lulu. <laughs> we'll take care of you. <laughs> no, we will survive as well. Trail. We will survive. It's been a li little bit of a financial struggle to, to lose that six weeks of winter, but uh, yeah. But it looks, uh, it looks, yeah. There are some interesting how should we put it you 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 get very innovative in these yeah. times and you start to think in new patterns and you solve things in different ways that will help you further yeah. on i think so a lot of good things will come from this as well knock on wood yeah i think you're right touch wood and it's about yes it's been a financial struggle but to see it through and look basically look forward towards next year i think is the is the way to go uh, we know, yep. you know, as long as we can all travel next year. If, if we can't travel next year, I think we're all a bit kind of struggle. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's got to remain optimistic. Yep. Well, it's good catching up with you again, and uh, maybe we'll see summer. Well, you'll be heading towards winter after we next month because we'll have passed the longest <laughs> day. <laughs> ah. ah. We'll have oh that talking about these seasons in betweens uh, when the ice starts to settle again. That's late October. Yeah. So yeah, 
three months summer, autumn, winter comes. Yeah. And an autumn is either it can be very quick or it can be really protracted, depending on how suddenly the temperature drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can really be. Uh, you can have in an autumn day, you can have summer temperatures in daytime and frost and snowfall at nighttime. Yeah. So then you can get like a full year in one day, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, like when you're on high altitude on yeah. the mountain. Yeah, Similar. Yeah. Thank you, Frederick. Good talking with you. Thank you. This is a fantastic little project. Yeah, it's great thank you very much. Do this. Thanks, Frederick. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, keep up the good work. We will keep uh, positions here in the north and uh, hope to talk to you soon again. With Frederick holding firm to the summer season now in Sweden, we now shoot south to meet Kate in Malm, the stepping off point for safaris in the world-renowned Okavango Delta in Botswana. So thanks for joining me today, Kate. Um, you come on board to talk about the Okavango Delta and other wildlife areas of Botswana. So I'm really looking forward to hearing um, some of that from you. And perhaps you can introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the camps and and obviously the wildlife later. Wonderful, thank you very much, Steve. My name's Kate Nelson. I'm the general manager of operations for Kwondo Safaris. Uh, Kwondo operates seven lodges throughout Botswana, just in Botswana, uh, with Botswana specialists. And at the moment, we've got three lodges in the Okavango Delta, two lodges in an area further north of the Okavango Delta called the Kwondo Reserve, uh, that that borders on Namibia's Caprivi Strip, so it's right at the north of the country. And then further south, we've got what we call our desert camps. They're in semi-arid areas, one of which is in the salt pans uh, and specifically in Naipan. Yep. And the other one is further south in the central Kalahari Game Reserve, which is one of the largest reserves in the whole of Africa, in fact. Uh, in fact, one of the largest reserves in the world. So uh, the company's been operating in photographic safaris for over 20 years and so it might be useful if I give a bit of an overview of each of the areas. So the Okavango Delta is world famous, it's a world heritage site declared in 2014. It's actually an alluvial fan that's fed by rivers that come down from the Angolan Highlands. One of the things that's quite amazing is that by the time the water reaches us here in Botswana, it's actually our dry season. Therefore, the arriving flood acts as a magnet for wildlife and all sorts of birds and animals it gives new life to. Uh, as the waters fan out through the Okavango Delta and then wind their way down through the town of Mount. Uh, uh, onwards into the Viteti River and eventually sink into the sands of the Kalahari. Yeah. The Okavango Delta is a real wilderness habitat. Um, Botswana itself has a very low population. We're about the size of France or Texas and it's got a population of just 2.2 million. So it's a very low density population. Um, there is way more animals than there are people. Um, and particularly at this time of year, as the flood comes down uh, through Mound, it's really a time of bounty for the wildlife. 
It's unfortunately can't have tourism in at the moment because you've had one of the highest floods for many years. And that I've seen images too of the water flowing through the um, outskirts of Mound and people rejoicing with that as well. It's it's a kind of a tragic irony that uh, because of COVID-19, we aren't able to host the guests that we normally would. This would normally be our peak season now uh, between June and September uh, when the floodwaters arrive. And last year, we had a terrible drought in Botswana, uh, which meant that the rivers, even in Mount, completely dried up. And that caused a lot of hardship for locals um, who were trying to raise livestock. So the river arriving through Mound this year has been a cause of enormous celebration and, <laughs> and some gambling, actually, or the proceeds of which all went to charity. Um, although we were in lockdown at the time that the river arrived, um, the district commissioner actually gave permission for some people to go and give us daily updates on where the flood was. And then once lockdown was lifted, then a few more people were able to go and actually see the waters for themselves. The headwaters uh, are considered by the local people a real blessing. So you'd see people anointing themselves with the headwaters, um, you know, pouring water over their head or taking it away in bottles. Uh, you know, really uh, water in Botswana, which is a desert country, is considered a very precious resource. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the name for rain, Pula, is the same as our currency, which gives you some idea of uh, the value that people associate with it. So. The floodwaters arriving in Mound this year has been uh, a real bright light um, for the town and for the people of Botswana at a time when we really needed it. Uh, yeah. In because obviously our industry has been hard hit by the COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah, That's great. Um, perhaps we can talk a little bit more about the wildlife too from the different areas that you've outlined. Yes. So at the moment, although we don't have guests in camp just yet, uh, we've got a team of staff looking after the camps and making sure that we don't pick up damage from baboons or elephants or any other animal that wants to wander through. Uh, the Kwondo camps, and I think most of the camps in Botswana, are unfenced, uh, which means that any wild animal can uh, come and visit. And of course, they do continue to come and visit us uh, even when the guests are not there. So the camp staff have done a wonderful job of updating me what they are seeing. Uh, in the Okavango Delta at the moment, uh, we've got uh, our resident pack of wild dogs at Quara yep. that seem to be denning. Uh, they've been out hunting actively uh, in and around the camp, hunting in parlor, I should add, not the staff. Um, and the alpha female is not with them at this stage, which is a very good sign that she's down in a den looking after some pups. Uh, so we're actively trying to locate the den at the moment. Uh, wild dogs are, or painted wolves as some people call them, are highly endangered. So every time we see new life from the dogs, it's a cause for celebration. Uh, so that's some good news coming from the Delta. So how many is in that pack? The pack is 18 strong, um, of which they had a very good success rate of la uh, keeping last year's pups alive. Yeah. Um, so I think most of the pups from last year survived, which is great news. So if they can add on to it this year, it's going to be a very large pack indeed. Yeah. Probably then what we'll see later on in the year is some of the uh, sub-adults starting to disperse into other areas. Uh, so, yeah, we must keep our fingers crossed for the dogs. 
Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of other predators around in that area um, that they will need to keep their pups safe from. Uh, we've got a good lion population. And one of the things that we're seeing with the lions uh, in our area of the Okavango Delta uh, is our resident males are being pushed out by a big coalition of five males. Wow. Um, so there's That's been some coalition. a lot of roaring and yeah, exactly. Uh, and these are magnificent black laned male lions. Um, so we're looking forward to being able to show them off to the guests soon. Uh, but there's in the process of this uh, takeover bid, there's been a lot of roaring and fighting and chasing and carrying on uh, as the males have all been trying to claim the territory and uh, scent marking uh, and declaring that it's their land. So it's been an exciting time there. So there's a little bit of to and fro. Yes. With no outcome as such. Well, no, now the five seem to have taken over. Uh, so they've pushed the original okay. two uh, further west. Um, but yeah, the, the five seem to have launched a very successful takeover bid and they've been mating with some of the lionesses. Yeah. So hopefully we will have the patter of tiny paws very soon. <laughs> and another large pride. <laughs> another large pride, yes, indeed. And then we've got lovely <laughs> cheetah sightings up in the Okavango Delta. Uh, there's one male cheetah there who's particularly uh, made a name for himself with staff and guests, uh, and they call him special. Uh, but one of the things that's so special about him is his, an amazing ability for a cheetah to climb trees. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Quite a lot of cheetah will climb up onto low overhanging branches to scent mark or, or to, you know, mark their territory. But Special climbs quite big, quite big trees. Um, you know, he'll climb up an acacia tree. And quite high. Yeah, almost like a leopard, which they're not adapted to do. Uh, they don't have the same kind of claws as a, as a leopard for climbing trees. So the fact that he's managed to yeah. uh, master this skill is something quite remarkable that we don't see very often at all. Well, we don't see cheetah that often at all. There's just so few of them about these days. Exactly. Uh, and then aside from, um, you know, predators, there's, I mean, in, on the predator side, there's also good leopard sightings. Um, the bird life, uh, especially now that the water has come into the Okavango Delta, is really spectacular. Yeah, and we've got some yeah, quite yeah. endangered birds um, residing there, such as the wattled cranes, ground hornbills, uh, the sought-after Pell's fishing owl, which is an amazing owl uh that uh hunts at high on every bird yeah list. exactly uh, you know hunts hunts at at night but hunting fish so it's really an incredible creature yeah um and then further north in the kwondo areas uh again we have great general game there we get some quite special antelope um the kwondo reserve is one of the largest private reserves in botswana it's got an amazing habitat uh, of lagoons and rivers, but also mixed woodland. Yeah. And because uh, it's a very quiet area, um, we've just got the two camps there um, on, you know, over 200,000 hectares. Yeah. Uh, what it means is that it's very low density in terms of tourism. So there's some of these shire antelopes, such as the sable antelope, the roan antelope, the eland, really seem to enjoy it there and um, they've been doing very very well 
We also get big herds of elephants and buffalo up in that area, uh, especially coming into dry season. And the area's historically been quite renowned for wild dogs. This is their denning time of year up there as well. So hopefully they'll be successful. And what we've had in the last two years, which has been quite extraordinary, is some of the most northerly brown hyena uh, that the researchers have come across. So yeah. we have brown hyena have been denning up in the lagoon area for the last two years uh, and have seemed to have been quite well habituated to vehicles compared to most brown hyena because they're, they're normally a very shy uh, creature compared to their spotted hyena cousins. Yeah. Um, so we've been really blessed to have that. I've seen them down in the pans um, and they're just very unusual to find and to see think of them that far north i mean that's a long way north of the pounds as well is is quite unusual isn't it it is unusual and also to have them inhabiting the same kind of area as spotted hyena um the, the spotted hyenas are bigger they're more aggressive they operate in clans so uh they would tend to drive out brown brown hyenas or certainly provide fierce competition uh, for resources, so to have them cohabiting on the same reserve is yeah, because they're in ones and twos or small family units. Exactly, yeah. So that's that's been a real blessing, and we've also had lovely sightings of some smaller creatures, um, such as pangolin. We've seen uh, a few times this year at Labala. Um, <laughs> wow. Aardvark we see pop up from time to time, um, and things like the bat-eared foxes and Aardwolf we've been seeing very regularly. So, you know, we really had some good. interesting sightings of these smaller creatures too. Which is nice and it keeps any safari experience, should people be able to get out there, really diverse. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I they, the other thing that's lovely is they're quite active animals. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a personal thing for me, but I love seeing uh, whatever creatures I find, even if it's a spider, you know, doing something. I would far rather see, um, you know, a mongoose family uh, defending their territory against a snake than a sleeping lion. That's my personal view. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, some of these crepuscular creatures that operate in the dusk and the dawn uh, are very active and yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. really great to see them going about their day. And what about down in the pans? Are you talking about mongoose? Uh, have you got meerkat down on my pan? We actually don't have meerkat just there. There are some in the nearby vicinity. Yeah. Uh, what we do see quite a lot of in our particular um, areas is the ground squirrel. Um, so, yeah, we see the ground squirrel. Uh, the other creatures that we would see in the pans area that you wouldn't necessarily see in the delta are antelope that you would more associate with desert areas. Yeah. Uh, so the Hemsbok, uh, which is a type of oryx, um, and the Springbok, uh, which, you know, these are antelope that uh, don't have such a high uh, dependency on water. Yeah, yeah. And so they can survive in the semi-arid land uh, that we get at the Central Kalahari Desert and also at Naipan. Yeah. Naipan also is very famous for having big herds of elephants. Um, so they are congregating around our waterhole in front of camp at the moment. Uh, and we've just sort of waved goodbye to the last of the zebra for the season. But uh, really from March until this time of year or sort of May, uh, we get big 
migration of zebra and wildebeest that come through to Naipan, uh, where they breed and suckle their young while they're on the pan, because the pan's got very nutritious grasses, yeah. uh, which the mares need for lactation. And then do they go off towards the Boteti? That's right. So the, the floods that we spoke about earlier, uh, that have come down from the Angolan highlands through the Okavango Delta are just about to reach the Bateti River now. Uh, so the zebra have timed their march northward very well so that they will be meeting the Bateti River as it comes, comes down from the Okavango Delta. And becomes green around that area as well. Exactly. Yeah, it will yeah. be an absolute paradise there now. <laughs> Botswana is pretty much paradise anyway, isn't it? <laughs> I think so, but I'm a bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks very much, Kate. It's a nice roundup of uh, what's happening in different areas of Botswana and uh, a nice introduction to some of the camps and where they, are, where they lie. So hopefully we can catch up again sometime in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much for involving us in your podcast. These talks just emphasise what a wonderful natural world we all live in, and I for one cannot wait to get out and about to explore more when the time is right. Like me, I do hope you have enjoyed hearing from around the world. These monthly updates receive some of our highest number of downloads and we're pleased to keep them coming. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe and share this podcast and I hope you can join me again soon. Wildlife and Wilderness is at all protected. Mm-hmm.